And we are back again. Welcome to another episode of the Play On Podcast, your fortnightly football fix from the BRB team. My name is Ash and I'll be hosting today. Um, Our normal host, Ben, is away um, due to um, him enjoying his first Mother's Day with his newborn daughter. He's not the mother, um, but obviously him and his (laughs) wife are very much enjoying their first Mother's Day together as well. So just before we start the podcast... Happy Mother's Day to all of the women listening. Um, obviously, we wouldn't be here without you. Um, we appreciate you. Um, whether your mum is kind of alive or kind of like not alive, like they're there. We love you and, we, and, we're, and you're in our thoughts today. Um, yeah, you can check us out at our normal place, which is Podcast Play On or at Beer Up and Bants on both on Instagram. Um, this is episode 43 and I'd like to hand over to Cal. Cal, how are you doing today? Um, yes, doing well. Uh, I'd like to echo your sentiments to shout out all of the mothers out there, the goddesses that give us the breath of life. Come on. Um, and uh, I had to go and salute my madre uh, today, this morning, uh, and pay my respects. And uh, and I hope everybody has a happy Mother's Day. How you doing, yourself, Ash? Yeah, good. Mother's Day is yeah, it's it's always quite nice. So like, I've already cooked up for mum. She's getting ribs, mac and cheese. Um, yeah, right. so, yeah, yeah, proper man. Like, yeah, yeah. you have to appreciate Mumsy. So, yeah, that's it's big, it's big. I like that, man. That's dope. Yeah, you gotta try. Um, but yeah, also we have a we have a guest with us as well. Um, so I want to introduce him, a friend, a friend of a friend who's become a very good friend. Um, yeah, so I want to introduce him. Um, he supports a unique team. I think the first time we've had this team on the podcast. Um, but yeah, over to you. So Lamre, welcome to um, Play On Podcast. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Um, happy Mother's Day, echoing the sentiments of you both. Um, and we currently have a Mother's Day treat in the form of Southampton versus Brighton um, playing yes. at the moment. <laughs> and and that they are your team. So tell us a bit more about um, the team that you support. Yeah, so I am a Southampton fan for my sins. Um, I was born and raised in Southampton. And uh, growing up, there was literally only two choices. It was either Man United, who were pretty dominant at the time, or Southampton. So I went with the, uh, with the tried and trusted route of Southampton. And um, yeah, here we are enjoying an, um, an interesting season. Mm. Um, yeah, it's been a it's been a roller coaster ride. If I was to sum up our season in three words, and yeah, it would be a roller coaster ride. Um, we started off, I think we started off with two defeats. So I was thinking, okay, this is going to be an interesting season. And then our form just picked up, and we were flying. We even had like maybe 24 hours where we were top of the league for for a split second. Um, and then yeah, towards the beginning of this year, we beat Liverpool one nil. You probably would have seen our manager, Ralph, uh, crying <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> and um, that was, that, it was at that point that alarm bells started ringing for me. But, you know, it was fine. <laughs> it was all good. Um, and then after that, we uh, went on a pretty wretched run. Um, people in my group chat have said that he was crying in anticipation of the, uh, of the form that was to follow. And, um, yeah, preempting he, it. He was preempting it, to be fair. Um, I won't talk about certain certain losses, which I'm sure you guys will probably touch on oh, later I on. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's hard for me to say whether or not we've picked up any type of form. Um, we did beat Sheffield United, um, and oh, 
Okay, Brighton almost scored, but it's fine. Um, yeah, Ooh. we did beat Sheffield United in our last match. We're playing Brighton at the moment, so hopefully we should get a result from this. But it's, it's Saints. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah, um, just to let you guys know, we're like just approaching the end of the first half with the game live. Um, so yeah, if he, if Lamry slightly tells off, it's because <laughs> something's happened. Um, it's interesting. You said that for your sins, you're a fan of the Saints. So mm-hmm. I like I like the play on put that word play play on there. Oh, of course. Um, so let's talk about the annual nine nil defeat. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, we can't have a Saints fan on and and not do that. Obviously, last year it was Leicester. Mm. at St Mary's this year it was United mm. you're kind of being known for losing 9-0 <laughs> like, how do you feel as a fan about that um I've had many conversations with my fellow Saints fans about this one mm. um and you know what the first one was so shocking that neither of us could believe it um this one you know yeah as you said we do it every year now so we're used to it like it's not that bad anymore um as we said before, it's not like we lost nine points. It was just nine goals. You know, it's just three points lost. It's fine. Um, but I think on a serious side, it is kind of worrying how we pretty much capitulate when things start to go wrong. Um, I don't know if it's a problem in the dressing room or if the manager isn't saying the right things. Um, I think with this 9-0 victory, which was different to the Leicester victory, we did have a lot of injuries. We had that crazy sending off in the first minute or two from Alex Jankovic. Um, Then we had uh, another sending off later on in the game, um, which was uh, rightfully overturned. But um, I think it was Jan Benray that got sent off um, mm. later on in the game. Um, so, you know, down to nine men against Man United, who are a good team. Let's not forget, they are, what, second in the league at the moment. So, I mean, yeah, it's not like they were a minnow team. Um, mm. But, yeah, I guess what is worrying is the way that we do tend to just capitulate. I think when the first or second goal went in, I remember thinking this could be a massacre here. And, mm. yeah, it was it was right like it was it was horrendous um but you know what it's only one one match um and we've picked up a couple of points since then we drew against Chelsea which was a pretty good result in all all things considered um as I said we beat Sheffield United so um yeah our next few fixtures hopefully we can kind of stop the rot a little bit and just guarantee um safety in the Premier League yeah do you have worries about that or do you think you should be uh, there should be enough for you to stay up? Um, it's in the back of my mind, definitely. But I do think there are there are three teams, at least three teams worse than us in the league. Mm. So you got Sheffield United, you got West Brom. Um, Fulham have started to turn things around a little bit. So their defensive solidity is looking pretty good. Um, but I do think well, we're on 33 points at the moment. I'm assuming round about 36 points should be enough for us to uh, secure Premier League safety. So I think we should be okay. But you know what? This has been a weird season. You never know what could happen. True. Mm. Yeah. So speaking of the season, we're going to jump into the results now. Um, The first game kicked off on Friday, which was Newcastle 1, Aston Villa 1. Cal, did you watch the game and what are your thoughts? Excuse me. Um, the Newcastle game, uh, often these days when I'm watching games like that, I'll, I'll be like playing FIFA and having the game on in the background, glancing over from time to time, you know. Um, and uh, what I enjoyed about that game is both teams were really going for it, man. Both teams were really trying to score. Um, Aston Villa, they've been a breath of fresh air this season. They've really entertained. But with Grealish being out, 
you know, their results have kind of tailed off recently. Um, with uh, the big man up front, Callum Wilson, not being about for Newcastle, their attack has really looked kind of tame. Um, and uh, I appreciated them bringing in Willett because obviously as an Arsenal fan, I like to watch our, our low knees go out and uh, and see how they do. And he started off well there, but to be honest, I think he's, he's not really excelling he's not looking like one of Newcastle's best players at the moment that's still very much you know uh, St. Maximum with the skills that he's got um, and um, I just kind of I just kind of thought the game it, it wasn't the most exciting game you know one all score draw you kind of wanted you kind of wanted a bit more didn't you from that I mm. think. Mm. Um, but you know um Steve Bruce will be glad to have a point. They really needed three points in the situation that they're in uh, down at the bottom of the table. So the, the result just isn't really good enough for them. Yeah. I think a big part of it is like everyone wanted the Aston Villa clean sheets, especially yeah. for that fantasy manager. Um, right. So yeah, that's, 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 that, that, that going really late was a little bit tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, On to another team that's been keeping a number of clean sheets, which is Chelsea. Since Tuchel's come in, I think they've only conceded two goals in 11 games um, and they drew nil-nil with Leeds yesterday. Um, Lamray, what did you think of that game? Um, I think it was... It was probably a better result for Leeds than it was for Chelsea. Hmm. Um, in terms of clean sheets, I mean, yeah, as you said, Chelsea have been pretty solid defensively. Um, and this was just another example of that. I kind of expected Chelsea to win this match. And they had a few good chances with Mason Mount um, getting on the end of a few. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a good result in terms of fantasy as well. Like um, a nice little clean sheet. I've got Rudiger in my team as well. So uh, okay. that, was, that was nice to have. Um, but yeah, I kind of expected a little bit more from Chelsea and I think they might be disappointed with that when they look back on this one. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I've got, I've got Rudiger. I've got Dallas on the bench. So I'm just like, gosh, (laughs) frustrating. But yeah, um, no worries. Um, another team that kept a clean sheet yesterday was Crystal Palace in the 1-0 win against West Brom. Um, Sam Allardyce was returning to his old team, um, but wasn't able to kind of get a win. Um, there's a big story that's kind of come from that, which we will cover a bit later on, but it was a Milivojevic penalty. Cal, did you watch that game? Um, I, I watched bits of it. Um, talking about sort of fantasy football, um, you know, um, I did want that clean sheet from Martinez as well in the Villa <laughs> game, although I did get the goal from uh, Watkins. Mm. Uh, and I, I didn't expect... Um, Newcastle to get a goal from Lascelles, but there you go. Um, and with Leeds, I actually had two Leeds players in my team and one Chelsea player. Uh, so Dallas, that's a clean sheet. Bamford didn't get me the goal. Um, Chelsea, um, you know, Reese James. Um, but uh, with Palace and, and West Brom, I've got zero Palace and West Brom players. Like, it's one <laughs> of those games that you kind of don't care that much about. Um, although I do like watching Eze at Crystal Palace, uh, Ryan um, has, has yeah. spoken much about his admiration for his game on this podcast. Um, and of late, like you know, I think um, Crystal Palace are usually known for being a defensively solid team, and they've had some terrible results, pr- probably post COVID. It hasn't, like, I think the COVID break hasn't been good for them, and their results have been terrible, but they've slowly started getting back to you know where Roy Hodgson would want them to be uh, and being a bit more of a defensively solid team and they did look a bit more defensively solid and, and organized against West Brom um, he just struggled to break them down struggled to create chances 
Um, and uh, yeah, again, another Arsenal loanee there with um, Maitland-Niles. Ainsley Maitland-Niles, there you go. Um, and again, you know, him not actually having the best of games, man. Um, but, you know, I think these are the kind of games where players actually just have to kind of fight two for now to try and get some kind of result for their team. Um, so these kind of games aren't necessarily going to be the best to watch. Mm. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't great. Like I think the the matches they highlights were like two minutes, <laughs> um, <laughs> which, which which just happens. You know, that's what I said. There's only like four yeah. games, but that game was still really short. Um, yeah, yeah like I said, as well, wasn't it? Yeah, which is crazy considering it was a nil nil. Um, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk because I think, like I said, the the bigger issue in the game actually happened before the game even kicked off, and we'll kind of touch on that a little bit later on. Um, Another team that played yesterday was Everton and Burnley. A surprise 2-1 win for Burnley, actually. Um, mm-hmm. I actually watched this. Um, they went 2-0 up and McNeil's goal. I don't know if you guys have seen Ooh, it, but what a strike. Yeah, My yeah. Goodness. Absolutely stunning from, from McNeil. Like picking the ball up, skipping past the player and then just opening his body up and just arcing it into the top yeah. corner, like effortless. And I think for someone as good as him, he should score more goals. Like he's a very good football player and... Burnley don't have much in their team creatively, but he's very, very good. And it speaks a lot about Everton's form at home because I think they've lost to they lost to Newcastle, they lost to Fulham. Like a lot, of, I think their only win has been over you lots, um, you guys, yeah. Southampton, in their recent games. Thanks, the thanks very much. Yep. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> you, people are going to be like, Ash, are you sure he's your friend? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not, I don't, sorry to keep throwing you underneath the bus, but yeah. So that's right. that's kind of what they're doing, and it's really affecting their run for for Europe. I think if they won their home games, they would be really up there. But I don't know. We'll see. There was one other game as well. The 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 champions elect going to Fulham and winning 3-0. Um, Lamry, talk me through that, because I know you had the brain um, as, your, as your captain as well for Fantasy Manager. I did indeed. Um, this was this is a really tough, I mean, I don't want to take it, I don't want to talk too much about FPL, but it is a big part of all our lives, I'm sure. Um, yeah. This is a really interesting one, because, you know, you're seeing Man City against Fulham, you're thinking, okay, this is probably going to be a uniform victory for Man City. So let me captain KDB, you know, he did... Did pretty well against Southampton, unfortunately for me, but he did pretty well. So you're thinking, you know what, he's a shoe-in. Then you see the team news just before the game and um, he's on the bench. Um, Yeah, it was a strange one. Um, I think Fulham did pretty well in the first half. Mm -hmm. Um, they, They did really well at keeping out Man City. They really, I think since the start of the year, their defense has really just tightened up. And they're a completely different side to what we saw in the first half of the season. Um, but, I mean, it's Man City. So, eventually, they're going to keep asking questions. And, yeah, second half, they just blew them away, really. Um, it was good to see Aguero on the score sheet, even though it was a penalty. Uh, probably mm. one of my favourite strikers of recent years in the Premier League. Um, so, good to see him back there. Um, but, yeah, ultimately, it was it was a uniform victory for uh, for Man City. Um, and yeah, us, us owners of uh, KDB and Gondawan are silently crying after seeing that they weren't even included in the anywhere near the game. So um, yeah, tough one to follow on that one. Yeah, Carl, what um, Man City players do you own? Um, I'm still from the uh, the last time we had that double game week. I uh, I, I doubled up 
on City defenders, and I still have him. I have still got John Stones and Cancelo. And oh, uh, you did nice yesterday. Yeah, I actually forgot. I actually forgot that I had um, Cancelo. I actually forgot to make my changes, and I was thinking I probably would have went with uh, Fernandez or Salah as my captain. But from the double game week, I had Cancelo as my captain, and it didn't really work out that well. It's, it's probably not worked out too bad so far. Yeah, I think yeah. you're smiling now, mate. Yeah, I think you've got 24 <laughs> points. Can't complain. And then with Stones as well, that's that's 38 points from two players. Jeez. Can't complain. But um, yeah, do, definitely got to give a big shout out to McNaldo um, at Burnley. Uh, like that was an absolutely breathtaking goal. I'm a huge fan of left-footed players being a bit of a left-footer myself. And um, so every time I see a left-footer score an absolutely stunning goal like that, come on, absolutely. Gotta love that. You gotta love it. Ronaldo's hilarious. Yeah, that rounds that rounds up the Premier League results, and we're now going to go into Europe to look at the recent results that took place in the last few days. Um, we'll start with the Europa League, and I'll go to you, Cal. Olympiacos one, Arsenal three. Um, a great result for Arsenal, considering. Um, Olympiacos not us out last year. How did you find the game and what are your hopes for the second leg that's coming up? Well, Olympiacos being Arsenal's bogey team over the years, um, it's nice to see us get a win, man. Jeez. Um, you know, usually we, we meet them in the Champions League, but, you know, the way the chips have fallen, we're both uh, falling from grace meeting in the bloody Europa League, aren't we? Mm. Um, and um, it's one of these things that Arsenal are doing at the moment now where we kind of just make life difficult for ourselves. Um, we have these unforced errors, which is, it's kind of unforgivable at the highest level of professional sport, man. Like, I mean, everybody can make a mistake. Um, and um, there's a lot of unforced errors in other sports like tennis and stuff like that. But in football, it's not something that you expect to see consistently. And it has been a problem for us for a long time now. You know, having players like Xhaka, um, uh, Mustafi, and now it seems like Ceballos is popping up as one of these guys who's going to be making unforced errors, making mistakes. Leno is going to be one of these guys making unforced errors, making mistakes. I wonder if Leno's actually struggling to play out of the back because I've been thinking that when we were quite successful with playing football out of the back, uh, when Arteta first came in, mm. Martinez was his goalkeeper, wasn't he? Leno was injured. Mm. And so is this now, are we seeing now that, that really Leno's been struggling with, you know, making the right decision at the right time and playing it, you know, to uh, appropriate players and not putting them under pressure and... Uh, I think it, I think it's it's poor decision making that we're starting to see from Leno now and other players that mm. are making life difficult, making us you know concede goals and then having to chase games. We did win, but I think it kind of papered over the cracks a little bit. I think there's work to be done on the training ground. Man. Yeah, definitely. I'd agree with that. I, I I always thought that Leno, as a goalkeeper, I would prefer to keep Martinez, but we are where we are. So let's just back him and see and see what happens from there. Um, so, Lamre, over to you. There were a couple of other games in the Europa League. So, we had Rangers going away to Slavia Prague and getting a draw. We had Tottenham playing so their big hitters to, to beat Dynamo Zagreb. And we also had Milan drawing with um, United um, 1-1 at Old Trafford. Out of those three games, did you watch any of them? And were, were any of them like particular standouts for you? Um, I saw some of the highlights. Um, didn't necessarily watch um, much of the Europa League. Um, but 
probably Tottenham um, is probably a, a, a standout for me. Um, I, I don't mind Tottenham. I'm, I'm, not, I'm probably treading on uh, thin ice when I'm talking <laughs> to Arsenal supporters, but um, I've been intrigued as to how Gareth Bale, Harry Kane and Son are going to work together. Um, Bale in particular has been interesting, an interesting story. Um, and in this midweek match, we've seen Harry Kane just bang in those goals again. Um, mm. He's been out for a few weeks in, um, with injury. But, I mean, over the past three or four weeks, like, we've just seen him just get back to where he where he left off, if I'm going to be honest. Um, banging in two goals. I think, I think Mourinho has got his sights set on the Europa League as a title, mm. um, which is why he probably pay, played a, a full-strength squad. Um, and yeah, I think it paid off if I'm going to be honest, two nil against Dynamo Zagreb. Um, they shouldn't really be under underestimated. And I can see that from the team selection and the goals that uh, Harry Kane scored. Yeah. They, um, he's cooking up very nicely for the North London derby. We, we will preview that shortly. Um, but yeah, um, I think he's got a slight knock, but he's going to play that. Like, you know he's going to play. But yeah, um, that, I think that's a very big result for Tottenham. Um, and those were, those guys over there. Yeah, we're not, we don't want to talk too much about them. Um, <laughs> moving on to the Champions League. A really, really busy day um, across Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, we had Dortmund versus Sevilla, which ended up 2-2 um, on the night, but 5-4 on aggregate. Um, arguably the tie of the round was Juve and Porto, which was... 4-4 on aggregate after being 3-2 three, three on the night with Ronaldo going out because of away goals. Um, we had PSG just doing enough to see off Barcelona 5-2. And we also had Liverpool um, repeating their 2-0 success against RB Leipzig. Um, Cal, out of those four games, what was the, like, the standout game for you? Most definitely Juventus versus Porto. That game was absolutely incredible. I, just, I, I don't remember us watching a Champions League game that good in, in recent times. I mean, last season we had Bayern Munich versus PSG in the final. That was a good game of football. Bayern Munich, when they absolutely slapped Barcelona in the semi-final, that was a great game of football as well. Um, and so they were, they were, you know, Bayern Munich, every time you watch them play in the Champions League, they're, they're 100% switched on, aren't they? But this one was, I just didn't know what was going to happen. Juventus were playing so well. And it was young Chiesa that he seemed like like he scored two and it seemed like he was going to get a hat-trick. He was just on it and they took him off. And I didn't understand. Mm. I'm thinking, why are you taking him off when he's playing so well? Maybe the coach is seeing he's tired or something. I don't know. Um, there was that little controversial, not really controversial, but uh, it's a bit of a talking point. The way that Porto scored their free kick um, mm. because he was probably their man of the match, Oliveira. Um, he, he had a brilliant game. He had loads of uh, opportunities to score and create it for others as well. And he took the free kick and he struck it under the wall. And then afterwards, one of the players came out and said, yeah, you know, we kind of studied um, Juventus and we saw that, that they like to jump. So we put it under the wall. Uh, and I wonder if they specifically targeted Ronaldo because, you know, he's got a pretty damn good leap on him, doesn't he? And the way mm. he jumped is where he jumped and he turned his back and it, like he didn't know what was going on and the ball went under his feet and into the and it wasn't like right in the corner as well it seemed like they literally put it under where Ronaldo was going to jump um so you know controversial circumstances um maybe for Juventus because Juventus being the bigger team you'd expect them to win um 
Um, sorry, they did get the win, didn't they? But yeah, they won on the night. It was the aggregate they, score. Yeah, they got knocked out by away goals. Right, that done them over over the two legs. Um, they didn't do so well. Um, and I just wanted to quickly um mention the Man U and, and the Milan game in Europa League because that that puts Man United in a bit of hot water for the following round for the following leg because uh, Milan have an away goal. Um, and the question is, are Man United going to be able to go to Milan and score? and win and not concede um, especially because they've got a couple of injuries now haven't they I think Rashford's not going to be available and uh, maybe Martial might not be available as well so they could be out of the Europa League after that result mm, maybe oh well don't like them anyway no I'm joking <laughs> <laughs> no 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 like United but then the thing with United is I think especially like in Europe they've been very good away from home so remember they went to PSG and won already this season um they tend to they tend to be all right in the big games away from home. So so we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Um yeah, so Lamry, a, any of those four kind of fixtures from the Champions League that particularly stuck out for you? Um so I did I was watching the Liverpool and RB Leipzig game and also had one eye on the PSG match as well. Um Liverpool have been an interesting uh, interesting team this season. Um, it definitely seems like they're saving their best performances for the Champions League. Um, that probably is going to be their best route into the Champions League next season as well. Um, so this was like, this is a, a performance that you would have expected to see from them maybe last season. Standards, no frills, 2-0 victory. You know, it, you know, Salas got on the score sheet. Like it was just a typical Liverpool performance, which you would kind of expect. Um, so yeah, I mean they've done well four on aggregate now, so they're through to the next round and stuff. So I mean, yeah, up to them. Um, but the PSG match um, that was an interesting one. I remember watching the first leg and just seeing how Mbappe just completely destroyed Barcelona. Um, I wasn't sure what to expect in this match. I thought maybe they might just kind of turn it off a little bit and just calm down since basically the tires won. Um, and yeah, it was a bit of a cagey match. Um, a few dirty tackles and dirty challenges going mm. through as well. Um, in, in my group chat was going off just saying how uh, it was just a very dirty, <laughs> rough match, <laughs> if yeah. I'm going to be honest. Um, but I mean, yeah, PSG didn't really need to kind of go up another level because they'd done the hard work in the first leg. So, yeah, it was just a uniform, uniform match, really. Um, yeah, that was it, really. So, I mean, Mbappe scored four goals across the tie. Um, mm. Just stunning, stunning yeah. player. I but I still say that Neymar's better than him. But um, yeah, we won't say more about oh. that. <laughs> um, going through the Champions League fixtures that are kind of coming up, you've got Man City against um, Mitchell Gladbach. They're 2-0 up. You've got Real Madrid against Atlanta. They're 1-0 up. Um, Bayern Munich are 4-1 up with the home leg to come against Lazio. And Chelsea got a very good 1-0 away result against Atletico Madrid with the second leg at Stamford Bridge coming up. Um, Cal, if you had to pick out one game where you think there could be a surprise, which game would you think that that, that might be? Mm. Champions League games with a surprise element to them. Well, I don't think we're going to get a surprise from Lazio against Bayern Munich. Um, <laughs> if there was going to be a surprise, it might be in Chelsea v Atletico. Mm -hmm. Um, in my opinion, um, the way Chelsea have been playing, it, it's it been absolutely incredible. And you think, can they sustain this until the end of the season? Surely there's going to be a blip somewhere along the way. Um, and this just might be it. 
it's it's a one nil um, advantage they've got against Atletico, who are known for being a very strong, defensively strong team that have great attacking players. They've always had great strikers over the years. Right now, they've got João Felix, who uh, is a very skillful young attacker, and you know maybe a little moment of magic from João Felix. You know, they've got the old Wiley experienced Luis Suarez scoring goals. Um, I think he's the top scorer in um, La Liga or he's among the top scorers. He's having a great season um, at the moment. And it could be a, a Felix and Suarez connection that, that takes Atletico through to the next round. It's possible. I'm not saying it's mm. definitely going to happen that way. But if there was going to be an upset, that, that's where I would put my money on. Okay, cool. Lamry, any upsets you see come in? Um, I think I, I was going to say the same thing, to be honest. Um, Atletico are a very dis- defensively strong team, so they could definitely uh, turn the tables on Chelsea. I mean, we're looking at Man City here. <sighs> yeah, they're not going to they're not going to fumble it against mm. uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, yeah, I think you were looking at Bayern and Lazio as well. Again, another comprehensive victory for Bayern in the first leg. So unless something crazy happens, I can't really see much um, in terms of an upset. It should be business as usual for most of those teams. Cool. Don't don't you think that Dortmund in Sevilla, there isn't actually a clear favourite in that, in that tie there? I was concluded. They won five, um, Dortmund won five, four. Yeah. So Dortmund won with Haaland scored two. He's a, I think he's the fastest young person Fastest player under 21. Sorry, the fastest player in Champions League history to get to 20 goals. He's only played 14 games and he's got 20 goals, which is just, he's a phenom. He's an absolute phenom. Insane. Insane. What a talent. Yeah, Mm. absolute phenom. But yeah, so yeah, now that's been concluded. Dortmund are successfully through to the next, to the quarterfinals. Um, So yeah, they'll be a a hard team to to face as well. Um, Isn't it the first year that... um, Neither Messi or Ronaldo are going to be in the quarterfinals of yes. the Champions League, which is crazy. I think that's the first time since 2006. Yeah. Something yeah. ridiculous like that. Yeah. Which is. So it bold. definitely feels like a, a passing of the baton to Mbappe and Haaland as well. So let me ask you this. As soon as you brought the two goats up, Jeez. if you had to pick one for your team, mm. who are you picking, Messi or Ronaldo? For Saints. <laughs> or just in general um you know what i love messi i just think he's the most naturally gifted footballer that you're ever gonna see his touch just the way that he caresses the ball is amazing however ronaldo his work ethic has been amazing like if you compare him at Man United, where he was sick, let's not get it twisted. Mm. He was sick for Man United, but to see the way that he's elevated himself physically and just in terms of his work ethic and his workload for the team at Real Madrid, even Juventus, like I think potentially he could just edge it for me. Cristiano Ronaldo might just edge it. Um, And given the fact that he's, what, 34? And he's still, like, banging them in at the at the highest level, it's it's insane. He's a freak. He's an absolute freak. So, okay. yeah. Okay, fair, fair. Yeah. Um, we'll now move on to the fixtures that are taking place. So, it's still 1-1 in the Southampton-Brighton um, game. We will continue to keep an eye on that. Um, 
we have Leicester and Sheffield United. Um, so Sheffield United parted company with Chris Wilder this this week. Um, the manager who brought them up last year and took them to a ninth place finish has now been relieved of his duties. They said mutual consent, but it didn't really smell like that because the, the news came out a couple of days ago and was only like verified yesterday. Um, Cal, looking ahead to Leicester and Sheffield United, what are your thoughts now with this recent news about the manager um, leaving um, Sheffield United? Uh, it is shocking news, isn't it? I mean, the guy is like a, a lifelong Sheffield United fan. He played for the club. Uh, since he's gone there, he's taken a team that maybe isn't the most glamorous, you know, maybe didn't have the most talented squad. And he's he's got them promoted and got them a really high finish in the Premier League. Didn't they finish like in the top 10, like ninth yeah, or nine. something like that? Yeah, Amazing. Yeah. Like who does that? Who gets promoted and finishes in the top 10? So it, I guess, in a way, he's become a victim of his own quality because he's raised the bar and he set it so high. The next season, I'm sure the people above him, the people upstairs were thinking, well, now you need to do better than that. <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking. Maybe they were thinking, you need to get us into Europe or something. And then he's ended up being at the bottom of the table and they're thinking, well, we're not happy with the way things have gone. Mm. I don't know, but I am looking at him as being an overachiever, somebody who's done really well. Um, and it's just sad to see this kind of, I don't, I don't know if it is an amicable split. Um, you know, mm. and it, it's the timing of it as well. That kind of jars me because yeah, yeah. if, if the board were thinking we need to make a change to kind of save our season and keep our team in a premier league, that's understandable. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Roman Abramovich, made a, an executive decision not too long ago to get rid of Frank Lampard and it's worked out pretty damn well, hasn't it? Mm. Yeah. Um, but if they were going to make a decision like that, I feel like they needed to do that in January or before January around Christmas so that the new person comes in and has an actual chance. You know, like when West Brom brought in Big Sam, he had a transfer window, he could bring in a couple of players and, and, and try and make things happen. Um, for this to happen now you're probably not going to change the result of what's happened this season. Hmm. And I just wonder if something happened, something happened on the training ground or something happened internally that we don't know about that influenced this decision to happen. Cause I can't imagine that Chris Wilder would just turn around and walk away from this job. Hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. I fully agree with that. I think there's something that went on behind the scenes. I don't know if it's to do with finances or something. Um, but yeah, the timing really stinks. Um, bringing in a new manager now, you're not going to be able to change anything. Like they mm. are so adrift, so far adrift at the bottom of the Premier League table that, you know, there's nothing that a new manager is going to be able to bring to kind of turn that around. Um, I, I kind of thought the loss of Dean Henderson um, in goal was a big loss to them. Um, mm. I think they were pretty good last season defensively and he put in a lot of good shifts. Obviously, he was only a lone player, so he had to go back to Man United at some point. Um, and also the signing of Rian Brewster probably hasn't worked out as uh, Wilder would have hoped. Um, that's not to say that Rian Brewster isn't a good player. Like He's still young. He's got plenty of years ahead of him and stuff, but I guess that was what their record signing. Yeah, And he hasn't scored any goals yet. So I guess the combination of all those things have kind of led to this point. Um, but then the question is, what will a new manager be able to do? Like, will he be able to motivate that same group of players? Like, surely Chris Wilder knows them better than anyone else. And he's he's been with them for many years, brought them up through a couple of divisions. Um, it could be that it just, you know, maybe you just need a new a new approach. 
mm. and that could be it. But yeah, as you touched on before, the timing stinks. So yeah, and I think even now, who are you gonna buy? You're gonna who are you gonna like get? Are you gonna get a, a championship specialist to get them out of the league? Are you gonna get a Premier League manager who can maybe try and bounce back? It's a really difficult time, and it's gonna be really hard to see who they pick to move forward. So yeah, we'll like we'll see how that one plays out. Um, it's two one right now to Brighton. Oh, how, how, how would you feel if Lallana scored though? I mean, yeah, that, that, that would hurt. That would be another knife in the back. Uh, considering the way that he left Saints to go to Liverpool wasn't apparently on the best terms either. Yeah, um, yeah that wouldn't be great. I think he actually had played a part in, the, in that goal. So, uh, yeah, not great. Not great at all. Got to love the live content. <laughs> nothing, nothing like watching a game and it comes uh, um, Yeah, there was another really big game today, actually. The North, our oh, great finish. Um, the yeah. North, the North London derby. Um, I'm going to go to you, Lamry. As a neutral, what are your thoughts mm. ahead of probably, what is it, a battle between 10th and 8th? <laughs> but it's still a massive game. So, like, what are your thoughts going into um, today's game? Um, I always look forward to the North London derby. Um, Arsenal have in the past been regarded as my second team. I can't lie. So I do have a soft spot Back for the them. Books. Back the good, books. good, good, good. However, I'm probably going to change all that with my next <laughs> <laughs> I can't see Arsenal beating Tottenham in Tottenham's current form. I think their front three, uh, Song, uh, Bale and Kane, when they're operating on 100%, they're just too good. They've looked, they've turned in some really good performances of late. Um, and I think they can probably do the same thing. Uh, my only caveat would be Mourinho potentially could kind of go with the park the bus sort of um, approach, um, make it a really tight game and just kind of kill all the passion out of it. Um, having said that, Harry Kane does tend to like this fixture and has scored um, in a number of them over the f- over the past few years. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to this match. Um, if, you know, Aubameyang could, could pull out something and uh, make it interesting, let's see. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say about this one. How over to you, your thoughts on the North London derby? Boy, um, well, I think you said it, uh, you said it really well when you said the b- bloody battle for 8th and 10th, mate. <laughs> High stakes in this one. Mm. Um, it, it's disappointing that for both of us that we're having such bad seasons. Um, it probably would have been a lot better if, you know, there's about 10 games to go and we're battling for that Champions League spot. Then mm. that would make this game really interesting. But right now it's just a regular North London derby, which is always a big game. I suppose you don't need any more incentive than to beat your, your local rivals, do you? Um, and to be honest with you, looking at the return of form, the return to form of Gareth Bale um, and looking at you know, the recent kind of like unforced errors and defensive mistakes that Arsenal have been making. I'm I'm a bit concerned, man. I'm a bit concerned that something might go wrong between Louise and Leno and Tobias if he plays. Or I, I, I die, he will play. But if he does play, you know, those are going to be my main concerns. Um, and um, yeah, just I think we can score goals, but Will we score goals is the question. 
because with Arsenal, it's such a Jekyll and Hyde team. You never know what Arsenal you're going to get. Mm. If I had to predict, I'm, I'm going to go for a score draw. I'm going to go for, uh, like, say, let's say a one all. Because um, I don't think this is, I think both teams are going to want to to win and they're not going to want to lose. It's going to be like a cup final, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, I'll I go for that. I think it's going to be a draw. I think Tottenham are a better team in better form than us. Um, I think domestically, because they're slightly ahead of us, they're probably more in line with a top four shot than we are. Um, and I just think, yeah, if we get a draw, considering some maybe some of the the targets that we both have, like they've got a League Cup final, they're in Europa, we're in Europa. I think that's that's almost like par for the course. I think it'll be a draw. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, two more fixtures to quickly go through in the Premier League. We've got Manchester United versus West Ham. Um, West Ham, who have been on an amazing run of form, beat Leeds 2-0 and actually beat them really comfortably with like a lot to spare in the tank. United, off the back of their 2-0 win in the Manchester derby, um, will be looking just to cement their place in second. Um, yeah, are, are there any quick predictions on this game? Because actually, I think the way the two teams have black, like they, they set up, West Ham could maybe trouble United. I'll go to Lamry for that one. Yeah, um, I've been really impressed mm. with West Ham's form. Um, West Ham are basically the new Southampton. Um, mm. They've kind of snuck into the, the upper region of the uh, of the Premier League with some really solid performances. Um, Antonio always looks like a threat. Uh, and you've got Cresswell at the back providing the assists. Um, and also Susek, even though he's kind of gone off the boil a little bit, um, he has been pretty good um, just for in the midfield for West Ham. Um, I think they are going to trouble Man United. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that Man United are going to... I mean, they're at home. Potentially, they could they could beat them. Um, but I think potentially, yeah, West Ham could pull off a shock victory. And if not, mm. then... I think a draw is probably on the cards as well. Um, okay. I think it just shows how far West Ham have come that, mm. you know, we're not predicting that Man U are going to smash them. Whereas in previous previous years, this would have been a no-brainer. Yeah, definitely. And the final game of the weekend is Wolves versus Liverpool on the Monday night football. Um, Liverpool in the league have been awful. Wolves are obviously missing their talisman in Jimenez. Cal, what are your thoughts for the final game of the Premiership weekend? Well, um, Liverpool are completely out of sorts. Um, it's a strange old season, isn't it? You would expect at this point in the season, Liverpool to be challenging for the title. But they're, they're you know, in the race for eighth, just like Arsenal and uh, Tottenham are. <laughs> <laughs> Such a bizarre season. With um, Jimenez being out, that's really uh, been like a hamstring injury for Wolves, they've just been limping ever since. And they brought in the guy from Spanish League, Jose, I think his name is. And I don't think he's had uh, a great impact. Um, there's times when, you know, they've just left him on the bench and they haven't even been playing him. They've, they've put more faith in the young uh, the young teenager, Silva, um, than they have in, in the loan signing. So I, I don't know. I mean, I do think, I do really rate uh, Pedro Neto. I think that guy just looks like he's got for days and again he's another left footer um, I do love watching these left footers man I just think that they can be some really amazing players um, and so I'm looking forward to seeing can Neto produce the goods against Liverpool like like is he at that level now mm. um, let's let's see um, Liverpool have slowly kind of been coming back into their own 
Um, I, I would like to see more from Mane. I think he's he's had a terrible season. It, even though even though Salah by his own standards he hasn't had the greatest season, he's still kind of been producing the goods. And that might just be because of the way Liverpool play. It's it's like give the ball to Salah, give the ball to Salah, um, and so Mane doesn't benefit from that um, because he's part of give the ball to Salah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I would like to see but because Mane we're used to him being brilliant we're used to him being able to just handle anything um, so I would like to see if he can get back to his best man um, away to Wolves maybe he can do something Thiago as well has it really been the best signing for Liverpool bringing in yeah. Thiago from Bayern Munich I mean the, the man's an absolute Rolls Royce you know um, at Bayern you know he's got strong midfielders like Goretzka next to him he's got uh, Kimmich um, that defence with Boateng and um, Alaba um, and it's just not been the same with Van Dijk being out injured and um, Trent's, Trent hasn't been in good form um, it, it's just been a terrible nightmare season for him to come in to um, and it just hasn't really worked out I think they need more of a player that's going to be running and pressing and tackling opposed to a guy who's like just silky and you know just give me the ball and let me look up and spray a pass and, and make something happen in the midfield, you know? Um, so, yeah. Um, I think I, I think Liverpool will still be the favourites. They should win. But with their form at the moment, possibly Pedro Neto could produce a moment of brilliance. Who knows? Um, Adama Traore, with his pace, could get in behind. It could be a draw. could be a win for Wolves. I, I don't know, mate. It's, it's, it's that kind of uh, It's that kind of situation that actually worries me that I just don't know what's going to happen in this game man and it shouldn't be like that it should be like yo I'm going to go and stick 20 quid on Liverpool to win <laughs> yeah it's been that kind of, it's been that kind of season to be fair but yeah I think everything he said is true like we don't know what Liverpool's going to turn up and in the league they've been very different from their Champions League form so I guess we'll see what happens um, cool we're going to move on to the general news now um, and I think we'll start with the story that we kind of have already intimated to so um, Wilfred, Z- Wilfred Zaha made a start today, um, yesterday, um, in the 1-0 win against West Brom. And when, at the start of the match before the kickoff, when everyone went to take a knee, Zaha decided to stand up. And he's been very vocal in his, in his kind of criticism of what's been going on in terms of racism in football and how very little has been done. Um, there was a long statement that was kind of put out. But I just want to kind of start with you guys in terms of this, your general thought process about this. Do you think Zaha was right to not take the knee um, before the, the game yesterday? And I'll go to Lamre first. Um, this is a really tricky one. Um, I've read his statement and his reasons make sense. If I'm going to be honest, I can't really argue with the reasons. Like we've seen over the past few months, how many Premier League players, especially black players, have received abuse on Twitter or via social media just for making, you know, mistakes or not scoring or stuff like that. And I don't know if it's got worse or if it's just being highlighted more. Mm. Um, But potentially there could be a correlation between, you know, the... uh, the highlight, the spotlight being on you know, Black Lives Matter and taking the knee with the rise in these kind of reports of abuse. Um, Zaha made a good point that, you know, we're taking the knee, um, but we're still getting this abuse. Is it really changing anything? Um, so I'm not even mad at him um, for 
for deciding not to take the knee. Um, it would be interesting to know kind of what is the next step after this. Mm -hmm. Like potentially, let's say they stop it next season. What are the clubs going to be doing to kind of prevent or you know stop the rise of racism in the game yeah. are twitter gonna make a stance are they gonna start banning people that's you know um send these abusive messages like what's the next step in this whole thing because yeah mm. it's, it's all very performative at the moment but let's start actually seeing some action um yeah fair play on fair play on wilfred he's a black man doing what he thinks is right so mm. i can't even knock him yeah cal what's your thoughts on this subject um well, first, I'd like to read a little bit from this uh, ESPN article um, where they've, they've, they've kind of got some quotes from Zaha himself about what he's, um, what he's thinking. Um, and so he says, you know, my decision to stand at kickoff has been public knowledge for a couple of weeks now. There is no right or wrong decision. But for me personally, I feel kneeling has just become a part of the pre-match routine. And at the moment, it doesn't matter whether we kneel or stand. Some of us still continue to receive abuse. Um, and, and he goes on it. There's a, there's a lot that, that he says. Um, he's put out a statement via his management company, Rock Nation. Um, and I, I, you know, I'd like for people to go and look that up, man. Go and go and see what he has to say about this himself, because it's one thing us looking from the outside in and thinking, oh, what was going on here? Um, but if you go and read his statement, I'm sure everyone will find it interesting. Um, you know, me personally, I think it looks strange, doesn't it? It looks like he's going against the grain. Mm -hmm. But I think the gist of what he's trying to say is that. Um, as a man, like he, he kind of feels a bit like taking a knee is a bit like degrading, and he would rather stand, like he'd rather stand up, um, you know, take a stand for racism, not take a knee, something like that. Um, although my interpretation of it might be wrong as well, um, but I, to be honest with you, I, I, I think it's a noble movement, um, and I, I, for one, I appreciate seeing players take a knee. I think it, it, it shows solidarity. It shows that they care that, you know, um, that the injustices in society should not be happening. And we're going to, you know, just make the smallest gesture to to let everybody know that we don't agree with the injustices that can happen and that these things should not be happening. And it's and the fact that they do it consistently, it lets me know that it's a consistent reminder It's not something that's going to go away. This is, you know they're doing this every single time they play to really drive home the message so that people get it and that change happens um but for him to not want to do that i'm sure he's not the only one that feels like that i think this could have been a lot more controversial if it was a white guy that took that stood up like there that. It is. Yep. people would yep. be thinking people would be yep. saying it would be crazy wouldn't it but inevitably yeah there are white guys who are professional footballers in the game inevitably there's going to be some white guys who are white supremacists in the game and they just stand taking a knee because everybody else is doing it and they don't want to look weird you know but there's inevitably going to be somebody who doesn't want to take a knee and, mm. so now that Zaha's has done this i think it, it allows people to maybe want to follow suit and to feel like they can just be whoever they are. I think everyone should just be whoever they are, innit? If you don't want to take a knee, release your statement like he did, come out and, and just do you, man. Yeah, so I spoke about this at the start of the season and I thought it should have been, like, stopped. 
because I do think it is quite tokenistic and quite performative. Um, I'm not going to go too much into it right now, but I think it would be even more powerful now if people didn't have to do it and then those players decide to do it themselves. Rather than it being instructed from the Premier League, it gets taken off the table and then the players that want to take the knee or when they score a goal, they take the knee, then that would be a, that, that to me would be a lot more powerful. Um, I think everyone, like you said, everyone has their opinions. Everyone has the opportunity to do what they want to do. And I don't think he should be kind of like given any backlash for doing this because, like I said, I think he explained himself well in his statement and he's making a point that I think a number of people agree with. With stuff like this, you'll always have a discourse that people will have to and fro. Um, I just think it's a case of just having a level of understanding and a bit of patience. And I think his statement has done a lot to explain where he is in his stance. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, we'll see. I'm sure there'll be more there'll be more news and more kind of um, fallout from, from, from that gesture last time um moving on to other stories as well um i think i'm gonna go to cal for this one i know you've put it on the running order um bentacle from juventus um the yeah the guy, um, the guy tested positive yeah i, I do think it's, it's it's important to uh to keep up to date with what's going on with the coronavirus um as we all probably do in life don't we we we, we try to keep abreast of the latest um, I've been hearing all kinds of stuff about uh, a Kent variant and um, a South African variant and all types of stuff <laughs> um, testing going on. Like recently, somebody sent me something the other day about um, the, the the test, the fallout from testing from from the um, sorry people actually receiving the vaccines. Um, and there's been loads of sort of reported side effects and, and all kinds of, well, I mean, people can go and, and, and read their own stuff that they want to read. I think that came from the BBC as well. But anyway, this uh, was an article I found in beingsports.com. And so it's a midfielder from Juventus, uh, Bentacor. He's tested positive for COVID-19. So the professional game is still being played. People are still testing positive, um, which is something I disagree with. I disagree that. I don't think that we should still be playing football and people are still testing positive and potentially infecting other people and perpetuating um, this situation we're in now. But this is this is where we are. Um, and uh, Juventus released a statement. They said the club is in contact with the relevant health authorities for the definition of an effective implementation of the protocols required to allow the training and competition activities of the team group. Um, so since then, they have gone on to play um, more games. Um, as, uh, you know, he tested positive before their Champions League game to Porto. Um, uh, so, yeah, I just think it's, it's worth a mention uh, that players are still testing positive for COVID-19 as we move forward. Um, and, um, yeah, uh, hopefully... Bentacle will be back playing. Um, I'm sure he's going to be well. He's going to be good and well. You know, they're going to look after him. But hopefully he'll be back playing for Juventus. Mm. Um, moving on to kind of, because I knew you spoke about protocols and what should be followed. Um, last weekend, Rangers fans came out in mass to celebrate outside of their stadium after being crowned champions for the first time in 10 years. Steven Gerrard has turned things around there and Celtic, who won nine titles in a row, um, drew and as a result handed the title to to Rangers for the first time in a decade um, Lamray Steven Jones done a great job up there um, what are your thoughts on that and is he a future Liverpool manager I think 
a lot of us were thinking that this is almost his audition for his eventual inevitable role as Liverpool's manager. Um, the fact that he's been able to deliver Rangers their first title in 10 years is um, cer certainly serves as testament to his abilities as a manager. Um, I'd be interested to know how long he plans on staying with Rangers. Um, mm. Does he want to repeat this for the next few years, perhaps? Um, or will that Liverpool job come running? Um, I still think Jurgen Klopp has got a few more years left in him yet. Mm. Um, so it might just be a little bit too early for, for Gerard. But um, yeah, I think definitely he's done well in his, in his audition. Um, I never, well, it's been a long time since Rangers have been competing seriously at the top of the uh, Scottish league, um, given their financial problems and, you know, points deducted and all that type of stuff. So, I mean, yeah, this is, this is a fantastic achievement. And um, yeah, obviously I saw the pictures of the fans uh, congregating outside the stadium. Um, yeah. <laughs> on, on the <laughs> no one social hand, distancing, no yeah, social distancing, no masks. Exactly. On the one hand, yeah. can you blame them? I mm. mean, um, when Saints were flying high, like me and my friends were like, you know what, what if we, if we qualify for the Champions League, we're all going to go down there and just do a madness down there. Mm. Obviously things didn't pan out that way, but I mean, you can't really, <laughs> um, blame the fans for wanting to celebrate such a massive milestone. Obviously the coronavirus situation is still going on, so they probably should have been a bit more careful, but mm. yeah, it's, uh, it's the emotions that obviously boiled over. So, um, yeah, let's not be too harsh on them. Yeah. Con listen, congratulations to them. And they're still very much alive in the Europa league. So, yeah. He could he could be on the on his way to a double this year. Um, speaking about doubles, we're going to do two stories from Barcelona. Um, we've got their former Barcelona president Josep Marie um, Bartomeu, who's provisionally been released following arrest. Um, and also speaking about presidency, um, an old an old person has come back in. So Juan Laporta has come back as being their new um, the new president moving forward. And apparently Messi was one of the key people who made a vote for him. Um, Cal, I know you're kind of all over the Barcelona situation at the moment. Can you talk me through both the former president and his arrest, as well as the potential new president and what that could mean for Barcelona moving forward? Well, don't put me in too much water, mate. I'm not that much of a <laughs> um, uh, I, I did find an absolutely incredible article in a, a publication called Football España, right? Uh, so this talked about the former Barcelona president, uh, Josep Maria Bartomeu. Um, and it talked about, you know, the controversy surrounding the club, um, the fact that, you know, Bartomeu ended up being arrested and they talked about him being released from detention. They've got links to, um, you know, other sources like uh, Guillaume Balaguer, um, Marker. It's, it's really a comprehensive article. Um and uh, so this is kind of where I got my grounding of, of what's going on in, in this situation here. And uh, there's a statement here from the Superior Court of Justice of Catalonia, um, where they've said the Court of Instruction 13 of Barcelona within a case opened in May 2020 for crimes of unfair administration and corruption in business has taken a statement today from the former directors of FC Barcelona, Josep Bartomeu and Jean Masferrer as investigated. Um, 
So uh, it goes on and says the two investigated who today have gone to court have availed themselves of their right not to testify and the magistrate has agreed to provisional release them. The case of which the summary secrecy has been lifted is still open. So you can tell that it's kind of like, you know, been translated from Spanish is not uh, the most um, easy to understand. Um, but what Gillen Balagay is, uh, has surmised is that the arrests are basically on the basis of corruption and unfair administration between individuals involving money laundering, the club's finance, legal um, and compliance departments are all being investigated there. Um, so the allegations are for tapping into money being paid from official club accounts to a third party company called i3 ventures um it's a huge story that we probably haven't got time to delve into now but it does look like there's some some serious corruption happening at barcelona this is why investigations have happened and the president has had to step down Mm. um so a new president comes in and, uh, you know, he's a guy that has been at the club before. Um, he's someone that I think he was would thought of fondly in his previous tenure at the club. To be honest with you, I don't exactly recall what period he was at the club and, and what um, era of prosperity it was that he helped to usher in. He but brought Pep. He brought Pep. I was going to say, but as we know, yeah. like years and years and years ago, um Barcelona were a force to be reckoned with. So it is likely that he was a big part of, you know, the golden era, you know, with the team that people say, this is the best Barcelona team they've ever seen. The best football team of all time. Um, So he's back, you know, Um, he's been elected uh, as a club president. I think maybe that was an article that you shared there, Ash. Yeah. Um, Article from the Guardian there. Um, which details um, specifically the the results and the percentages of the vote that he won. He won, saying he got a 57.6% of the vote, um, which is amazing, really. It's huge popularity, um, and um, yeah, he should he should this should be good because right now Barcelona are in a state right. They've declined. They've got um, elder statesmen in the club that really need to be replaced. They need to bring in the fresh blood. They've got young players coming through who obviously need experience and aren't quite at the level where they need to be at just yet. You've got Messi looking like, you know, this is going to be the last we see of him. Uh, Lamre spoke earlier about how much he loves to see Messi on the ball. And we're going to have to cherish him because, what, is he 35 now? He's not going to be around forever, man. So it's, it's an important time for Barcelona. It's important that they get everything right. And I think bringing back Laporta, this could be a really, really thing, a really big thing that they've got right. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I know we spoke about kind of like illegal activities and, and kind of court proceedings. That's going to lead us on to our final story, which is um, Rubinho, um, the Brazilian football player. Um, in He was initially given um, a sentence um, during a rape case um, that happened in 2013, um, where they stated that he um, belittled and brutally humiliated um, a, a young lady um, and sexually assaulted her back in back, which was a eight years ago. Um, so, Larry, just going to hand over to you on this story. Um kind of considering everything that's kind of going on at the moment, we had the incident in London where that young lady wasn't able to make it home safely and the police officer was um, prosecuted. There's been a lot 
that's been kind of going out there this week. Just wanted to kind of hand over to you in terms of this story and just your, your overall thoughts. I mean, first of all, this is a pretty disgusting story. Mm. Um, Robinho, <laughs> I just, there are, there are no words. Um, mm. And especially as you said, considering what's been going on in London, um, we had international women's day earlier on this week. And now we're seeing stories like this. Um, it's disgusting if I'm going to be honest. I can't mm. believe that he um I can't believe that he's still playing as well. Um didn't he sign with his with a club? Yeah, um, Santos. In October? He signed yeah. with Santos in October. Um there was a lot of outrage about that, understandably. Um and now now he's been sentenced as well. Um is he I believe he's trying to fight the charges. Um, but yeah, it's just pretty disgusting. I can't believe something like that is happening with with someone in the in the in the public eye like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, just my heart and my, my my thoughts go out to to the young victim, mm. um, as well as the the family of the uh, the, the the victim in London as well. Um, mm. Crazy circumstances, and I just can't believe that. Yeah, this is still happening in in 2021. Mm. Um, it's just really really appalling if I'm going to be honest yeah and I think like you said no matter who you are no matter what team you play for no matter like you're a person and we, we on this podcast we always talk about we're humans first and we mm. always think about those people who are kind of less fortunate or those people who have been oppressed or those people who have been through stuff so our hearts and our thoughts are, are, are with the lady in London as well as the lady in this story and anyone who's had to have that or go through that kind of ordeal as well and like we said it's on mother's day as well like if it wasn't for women we wouldn't be here so we have to put a lot more appreciation on on the women in our lives for sure for sure and i think on a great that's the that's the best note to kind of end today's podcast lamray thank you so much for for coming on man it was great i know i know it is still 2-1 <laughs> <Too long, guys. laughs> i know i know it's not great but um no thank you so mm. much for an amazing performance and an amazing appearance on on, on our podcast so do you want to kind of like plug like your socials and kind of some of the work you do because you're speaking about the the fpl stuff that you do on youtube right yeah, sure. So I'm part of a collective called FPL International. Um, we put out videos on fantasy football um, once or twice a week, uh, commenting on the week's games, um, strategies, captain picks, um, how to avoid Pep's rotation roulette, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, if you search for FPL International, then you'll find our videos. Um, I guess the the premise is... We're kind of a collective of individuals um, from all over the world. So got my best, well, one of my good mates, Josh, who's based in Mauritius. Um, we've got some guys in Kenya, in uh, Zambia. We've got myself in the UK. And we all kind of contribute and um, share our picks um, and our thoughts on fantasy football in the Premier League. Um, so, yeah, that's our, that's our big thing. We've been, we started this season and um, it's going pretty well. We've just uh, reached 500 subscribers, so we're aiming for 1,000 by the end of the season. Might be a tall ask, but, um, you know, we're, we're going to try and get there somehow. Um, yeah, so that's kind of my big thing. And then on the side, I do a little bit of DJing as well. So that's Lan Rizzle on Instagram. Um, hook, uh, holler at me if you need some mixes or if you want uh, some, some events that I can play at. All good. Um, but, yeah, that's me. Dope. Dope. Yeah, I'm gonna. You're gonna have another. I'm 501 because I'm gonna subscribe as soon as I come off the call today. So yeah, come no through, worries. 
no thank you so much we really appreciate you and yeah shout out to cal the guy in the back putting everything together like he does our listings he does our recordings our sound checks he mixes down so yeah just a huge 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 shout out to you thank you as always big up big up shout out to everybody uh i'll just like to big up one last thing um because we ended on a bit of a sour note um but hopefully this will be a positive when we talk about a little bit of gossip here from Gillian Balagay, uh, mentioning that the wives of Cesc Fabregas and Lionel Messi are great mates, and they've actually convinced their husbands to go to America together. So this is according to Gillian Balagay. So who knows? Maybe we'll see. Maybe, maybe not, you know, this summer, maybe next summer. Fabregas is about 34 now. Like We talked about Messi being about 35. Maybe we'll soon see the two of them signing for American teams due to the influence of the powerful women. They say behind every great man is a great woman. And I like to think there's two great women mm-hmm. pulling the strings, making things happen behind the scenes there. Um, and yeah, always a pleasure podcasting with you, Ash. Really nice uh, getting you on today, Lamre. And uh, yeah, we're going to do all of the follows on the social media, the subscribes, uh, and hopefully we'll get a chance to speak to you again on this podcast soon. Yeah. Thank you very much, guys. Dope. Happy, what they say? Happy, happy life, happy wife. So, I love yeah, that. Must must be something mm. in that. But yeah, no. Um, big shout out to um, Ben, um, wife, and first Mother's Day again. Um, shout out to Ryan, who's not here with us today. Um, and yeah, all our guests, thank you so much for always kind of coming on. And yeah, that's us for another week. So peace. Peace. Peace.